Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are honored and privileged to have with us Avi Lieberman, comedian, writer, actor, and most important, RMBA graduate. So welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, I was hoping you might be able to share with our audience uh, some of your memories. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, I can remember certainly walking in there in uh, kindergarten. And, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I went all the way kindergarten through high school. So and, uh, there have been uh, too many memories to share. Much, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty much my entire childhood. Amazing. So, but, uh, you know, learning pretty much everything from, uh, you know, reading, he obviously just did reading, writing, learning how to read Hebrew. Right. Um, so that's learning how to write English, basically, and write well. That's, I remember uh, specifically uh, Ms. Sternthal. I, I, don't, I haven't seen her in years. I've heard this, like, really being, in a way, like, funny and brutally honest about our writing. So this and that, it's, you know, you guys need to learn how to write so we would do things and she'd, you know, stick us, and you know, which was good. Obviously, made me a better writer as an adult in the future. So. What grade was that? Uh, when she, uh, geez, that must have been, I think, like eighth or ninth grade. Oh wow! I think I was already in high school. Fantastic. Close to it. And, and I remember learning Hebrew, uh, you know, with Miss Erlichman. Right. Like that. Something feels like oh, so many parents I've heard. Oh, she was my teacher. You know, all those kinds of things. Right. Right. And she's. I don't know if you had Bonnie Bloomberg back in the day. She's also one of our longtime teachers. I can't remember. I used to be able to go through, but I had Miss Joffe was my teacher. Uh, I know someone used it, and uh, you know, over and over, I did a ton of them. Beautiful. So did did you have a sense, you know, in high school, for example, that humor was going to be important to you or that you might head into a career? Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I was always the kid, you know, it was the guy like doing the impressions of the teachers. And I remember once uh, we did like some play or something in seventh or eighth grade and I played every. It's like I was the guy starting off doing the impressions of all the teachers. And kind of <laughs> I always knew that. But, yeah, I remember going back to just even to going to NCSY conventions, which is, you know, my association with NCSY was through Barron, because I was mostly a, uh, you know, young Judean kid. Okay. And worked in that movement. But, uh, the, the, you know, the fact that I had an association there, um, you know, so it was always, you know, trying to go for the laugh and stuff. That was always my thing. So that was, that started early. That's <laughs> funny. Did, um, were you careful with that? Because I know sometimes uh, imitations of teachers don't always come across as flattering. Is that something that you yeah, were... This, I wouldn't do it in, in, in a mean way, but I remember, uh, the, I think the best prank we pulled, I think once we were in high school, you know, we were allowed to leave campus for lunch. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to go to Stephen Osi's house for lunch. We had one person who will remain nameless. It was a, a female student, and she used to be a, kind of, sort of like, this school tomorrow, this, I'm going to pretend like I'm sick. And she would do this all the time. Uh -huh. And I could do a very good impression of Rabbi Wender at the time. <laughs> and she said, Abby, and my friends would go, Abby, why don't you call her? Hang around by Wender and say she better get into school tomorrow. It's going to be in big trouble. <laughs> so, long story short, we called her, and I think she, and I started doing the impression. I remember my buddy started laughing behind me, and I covered up the receiver of the phone, if you remember those days. Right. Um, with uh, my hand. And then I go back, and I think she didn't hear it. I was like, I think she bought it. And when she would show up to school, she was really early, and I was too. And I see that day, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, just play it like I normally would. And <laughs> I think, hey, decided to show up there. She's like, yeah, the rabbi called me and. Rabbi Winter called me and threatened to kick me out of school. All these things, which I never really said. I was this close to going. I didn't say that, but I couldn't do that. And then this is just dumb luck. I happened to be in the hallway, and Rabbi Winter comes walking by, and she's there. 
And she sees him. And she goes, hi, Rabbi. I went, glad to see you this morning. He's like, great. Glad to see you, too. And anyway, like, walks away like, what's her problem? It's just really funny. <laughs> and uh, then we told her she was infuriated, of course. I was like, that wasn't my idea. So, you know, so, <laughs> That's really great. Um, you know, at least I, I, you know, I was able to use the impression to you know, have a little fun. Uh, That's really, really funny. Yeah. Um, do you have, I'll tell you, I have heard you uh, give a talk, give a, uh, I have heard you perform when you talked about cheerleaders being behind the mechitza, and, right, right, yeah. and I was wondering if you had other particular memories uh, that you, from Baron that you turned into jokes for your act. Um, specifically, yeah, because, uh, it's, you know, you don't really get good at stand-up when you've been doing it for a long time. So it's, and then you're so far removed from high school. Like, oh, every comedian stinks, at the, you know, when they first start. Right. And I didn't even start doing stand-up until years after I was out of high school. Mm. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, you have, uh, but I do a lot about uh, just working with kids, but more of that is, um, it's interesting that it has to do with um, education and working with kids. A lot of that came from me being a teaching assistant. Oh, but obviously, that, you know, that, that, you know, intertwines and, you know, associates with me being in school myself. Right. So, and those kinds of things. Where were you, where were you a teaching assistant? Uh, I started in L.A. It was originally, uh, um, I was at the Pressman Academy. Mm. And I, I was at, um, it, it, um, at um, what's the big one? So I'm blanking right now. The, the big conservative synagogue. It's basically a day school. I okay. want to see what else was, but that's not the one. I went um, at, um, at, what's wrong with me? Sinai, sorry, Sinai Akiva. I was at Sinai for years. Okay. So the, and I sort of slowly weaned myself off of that. Um, and then started... I realized sort of once I started doing the stand-up, uh, I went from full-time to part-time, mm-hmm. and for some reason I was I had more money at the end of the year. This I realized this so maybe I should start doing this you know, <laughs> I went from full-time to part-time to stopping it. So this and you know you have to die. You don't really get any respect unless you're doing it full-time. You know, right. so this, unless you're doing it full-time, people kind of see it as a hobby. That's um, interesting. So I kind of took that plunge, dove in full-time, and uh, this, they said we stand-up, get good at it, and then find your niche. So my niche, I'd say I do a lot of Jewish events. If you tell some comedian. You know, hey, we need someone to do 45 minutes to an hour of squeaky clean material in front of a bunch of Orthodox Jews. Yeah, uh-huh. Good luck. Like most comics can't or have no interest in doing that. Right. Um, you know, I can do it. There's a few other, you know, a handful of other guys. You know, we all know each other. We're friendly with each other. And we kind of try to help each other out. Referring, I did this in a guy. You should do it next year. You know, those kinds of things. Oh, nice. I was, it's funny. I was going to ask how you, uh, how you transitioned, but I guess you just explained it. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's, I guess that's it. Did also, it? I transitioned more towards writing. So I became... Uh, we're just in writing screenplays and things like that. So I, I sold a, a screenplay recently. I mean, it's interesting. Most people, well, I sold one and optioned another one. Um, most of it is a com- is a comedian. Like, oh, is everything you write a comedy? I go, no. I'm a big religion. And I, you know, I credit obviously, you know, Baron to some of this too. The fact that I, you know, I like religion. I like history. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two things, obviously, that you know started at Baron. And I, uh, so I wrote a film about the Exodus that through the eyes of the women. Oh, interesting. And, and uh, so it's obviously a Jewish themed. Limited, you know, it feels across the board. Right. Um, and the other one I wrote, this is, people laugh about this, is about St. Patrick, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but this, and I don't remember, like, I went to Ireland because I had some shows in England. I usually pass through London on my way to Israel to do the comedy tour. I do there twice a year. Okay. And um, this, I don't remember somebody, like, everyone kept raving about Ireland, and I'd done the England thing like a hundred times at this point. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to go there. And at some point there, that interest was sparked. And you know, if you made up his story, you wouldn't believe it. This, and then I showed a friend of mine who's not Jewish, he's a producer, and he said, oh, it's just worth it for the joke to have an Orthodox Jew <laughs> having written the story, you know, about St. Patrick is worth it enough for me. It's, obviously, he liked the script or he wouldn't move forward with it. Right. But, um, so it's, I'm a big religion and history fan, so those two things drive a lot of what I write. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so I would not, I did not know that. That's great news. 
Um, do you also perform, I mean, I've seen you perform for Jewish audiences and you reference that you also perform for non-Jewish audiences and yeah, there's, here's, it's, you know, when I first started the majority of the money that I made that, you know, was, uh, you know, doing clubs or one nighters or Vegas. I'm actually playing in Vegas in uh, a couple about a week and a half. Oh, wow. A couple of weeks. And, um, I'm playing at the drop the can at the laugh factory there. So you know, I was performing in Vegas for about 20 years at the improv in Harris, but uh, you know, until it closed. But that's the club I performed at most. But yeah, that's it's interesting. Because in the beginning, I would sort of shy away from any Jewish material. Mm-hmm. My name is Avi Lieberman. It comes off so Jewish anyway that you know I didn't want to be. And um, so this, and then I realized like this is silly. You can't with comedy. The main thing on on stage is a uh, good comic is honest. You have to be honest with yourself and the, the kind of comedian you are. This and I remember there's a, a, a very uh, prestigious festival called the Montreal Comedy Festival. Okay. It used to be like a big deal. You'd go there and come out of there getting deals and representation, whatever. And I got a call. My agent goes, oh, Avi, they want to see you for something called the Bar Mitzvah Show. <laughs> and it's obviously the Jewish event there. And it, some of the shows can be tough, but it's a good way to get you into the festival. Then you can do other shows while you're there, which happen. Do all your Jewish stuff. And my agent was Jewish. And at the time, I didn't really have that much Jewish stuff. And I realized... You know, if my own agent is going to see me this way, uh-huh. I might as well just embrace it. Because <laughs> to be honest, that is who I am. I am a very involved Jewish person. That's part of my life. And right. As soon as I started doing that, everything got better. Like even the secular stuff got better. The Jewish stuff, you know, because I was being more honest with myself. Right. So right. That's, uh, that, that's what I would say. Was it hard at the beginning, uh, being observant and performing, like finding the right time and being? Um, a- you know, it, it, it had its challenges, but uh, it's nine times out of ten, uh, this is weird. It, you're not going to have that many conflicts, and uh, the, even if you, um, the, you know, if you're performing on the road, and let's say you're hired for a week, okay, the, the, um, you know, most of the time you're within walking distance of where you're performing, or you're staying. Like if you're in, you know, Vegas or town, whatever, you're, you just go home to your room and do the shows. Okay. I, just, I remember even checking with a, mo- a buddy of mine who's like a big Halakha guy. Go, listen, this, you know, you're paid for the week. You're not paid, you know, so there was no issues there. And I go, I don't turn off and on the mic. He goes, look, it's not idea that are you violating any Halakha rule? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, would a Haredi kid do it? Probably not. You know, an ultra-Orthodox kid is not going to do this. But, then, the, the, you know, this, to me, I, you know, Shabbat shouldn't be, but do I daven in my room and do Kiddush in my room? Yes. The answer is yes. I have Shabbos meal. You know, it's very nice and this, I performed in Vegas with other orthodox. You know, Mark Schiff is orthodox too. Uh, I didn't Vegas know that. Together, um, you know, so and it was very nice. Like, when else can I do kiddush in my room with the other guy performing? With them, <laughs> you know? So, it's it's um it's you know it's doable. It's not uh, you know uh, to me Shabbos shouldn't be a prison. Right. It should enhance your life. It should mm-hmm. make it better, which to me it does. Um. So this, you know, I remember actually going this when I was teaching assistant. I went to uh, another Jewish day school. I was looking for a job and. This girl, she's like a secretary. She's like, yeah, well, I loved acting. I wanted to be an actress, but I found a conflicting job, so I quit. And I was just like, that's sad. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not. It should help you. It shouldn't prevent you from doing what you want to do. And that's always been my approach. That's how I viewed it. And did you ha- did you have uh, friend teaching friends of yours come to see your shows ever? Uh, let me think. Uh, Coach Eplin came. Uh, the because for who worked there for years, Coach, because he lives in Vegas now. So he he would come every now and then when I do shows in Vegas. Okay. And uh, I did a, they premiered the uh, film Land of Milk and Funny, uh, but it's a documentary about the tours we do in Israel. They premiered that in Houston. Actually, my third grade teacher, Miss Joffe, brought me on stage. And I felt like I was a student again, right back in, the, <laughs> you know, right back in school. So I think there were other some, uh, some staff that, that came to that, but then I don't remember the top of my head. That's really nice. So, you know, so it's, but yeah, as far as the performing on Shabbos, it's, it's, I do so many Jewish events, that's kind of my bread and butter now. It right. hardly ever is an issue okay and uh even if you were acting on tv uh it's most of them 
they don't want to work on Friday nights. You have the sitcoms film on that, and most, you know, a lot of them film on Tuesdays because you have to pay extra. So it really, you're off on weekends a lot, even if you're doing a film. So it's surprisingly not as big a problem as you'd think it would be. That's great. Do you do you find it easier or harder to perform in front of a Jewish Jewish audience? Is it? Um, I like it more because um, a lot of times it's a, it's you know it's material you can't really do anywhere else. Right. Um, you know, so this, I like bringing that part of it um, to the forefront. So th that's always fun for me. You know, and I like being one of the go-to guys of you know any Jewish function. That's there's really only a few of us that can kind of do that and remain appropriate. We have the background of what the audience is looking for. Is, you know the jokes about what we grew up with and those kinds of things. Right. So I like being what, what you know what, what, one of the go-to guys for that. How about performing in Houston? Easier, harder, better, worse? Um, I liked it. That, you know, I made my return after you know, I was just in a, a very bad car accident, and uh, this, so this, I happened to this, I went on a, a last Sunday um, here at the Improv, this, and I could do. Obviously, you know, I was concerned because I have this. Um, it's temporary. God willing, that's what all the doctors say. But I have some partial paralysis on the left side of my face. Mm. And um, so I went on stage and I said, listen, this, you know, obviously there was some concern about this, but I realized this is all the face. This is the face we all make when the Astro is ringing a relief pitcher anyway. So, this, you know, it's not, this is obviously, you know, you incorporate the local material, those kinds of things. But I can, you know, I can relate because we're all Astros fans here, those kinds of things. You know, so you bring up some local material, a few things here and there. That's great. And, um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I find great audiences are everywhere. So this, it doesn't matter where you go. So this, if it's a, it's a good room and they're there to laugh and have a good time, uh, this it doesn't matter really where you are. So, unfortunately, I, I do know that was a terrible okay. accident. Speedy recovery. Um, yeah, thank you. I know I'm focused a lot on your comedy. It happens to be an interest, of, interest yeah. of mine. But um, do you have a particular process? Do you write at a certain time of day? Or how, how do you... Uh... Yeah, some guys... I think it depends on the kind of comedian you are. Some guys, that you know, if they're topical comedians, mm -hmm. so that, you know, there's a thing where their, their premises are sort of delivered to them with the morning news. Um, you know, so they can they can do that. But again, the drawback of that is if you write a great joke, it's only going to last for a few days, right. you know, and then you got to get rid of it. Um, so uh, this, for me, it's more like life experiences of the things that I write about. That you know, like with my car accident, I obviously have to address it at the moment, certainly. Yes. Um, you know, so this, for me, that's I don't have that regimen of sort of waking up and I'm going to write from this time to this time. I, I do that um, if I'm in the middle of a script. Uh, then so, you know, then I'll sort of try to discipline myself. I'm writing. Uh, about I'm sort of making this isn't really a script, but it's about um, my adventures and experiences during COVID. Mm. Um, I went to seven countries in seven months. Um, I used Israel as a base, and a friend of mine said, "Listen, Avi, that, that um, you know you're you're the only person in the world I know who did this. Um, you need to write about this." And some of the experiences were were nuts. That, that, you know, so this, I try to write about that a little bit every day. Um, so I try to get some of that done every day. That you know I'm through country five. So I've got two more to go. And of course the last two are like, were the most crazy and most crazy experiences that I experienced. Wow. What do you envision this becoming? Uh, th th that's what I have to figure out. Th is it, it's, um, is this something I take to a publisher? Do I self publish? You know, those are all things because it's new territory for me, but, okay. uh, it, it was such an interesting experience on my end. And, uh, it's, it's like, it just, even how I got into some of these countries was nuts. Um, and the experiences I went through. Um, some of them, uh, this very spur of the moment experiences that I had, um, in Ukraine and, this, this, um, you know, being barred from getting on a flight to go from Israel to Dubai, uh, this over nonsense that this, and then being cleared for it later. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, so ending up in Uman, you know about that? Like where the, where the Nakhon al-Hasidim go, the Brest al-Hasidim. Right. This, I kind of went there, excuse me, I went there like in the off season and, uh, this, just that whole crazy experience. And, um, wow. you know, it's just, uh, that's how I got into Russia. 
appointments. I made a quote unquote doctor's appointment. So it's because you're not allowed to go if you're an American citizen. Uh huh. Period. And you can't go uh, unless you're a Russian citizen. They weren't accepting anyone unless you were a Russian citizen. Okay. Unless you were invited for medical reasons. And I was able to finagle that situation <laughs> to get, you know, you know, uh, uh, basically like an antifungal cream that I could have gotten over the, uh, you know, for a thing that was on my knee. You know, right. I just like, could I gotten that at the pharmacy in Israel? Yeah, sure, but that didn't get me into Russia. So, this, you know, I was able to pull that off. It's, you know, all these things that I did to just, I, I despise lockdowns. I'm just viciously against them. Okay. So I did anything and everything I could to, because I thought they were useless, which they were, and um, <laughs> to, to get away from them. So that's what I did. I sort of, Israel became my base to travel for seven, eight months. That's great. Honestly. And you probably got vaccinated fairly early, I guess, being in Israel. Well, I had it very fairly early. I had COVID very early. Oh. And to the point where I donated plasma three times in L.A. Wow. And the point that they had even stopped asking me when they sent me, you know, they weren't even checking my account anymore. The, the, to my understanding, I had one rule, that, that doctors and doctors only. Okay. I'm not interested in what your friend read on Twitter or Facebook about this. <laughs> and, you know, almost every doctor I talked to was like, your antibodies are going to last a year and a half to two years, especially <laughs> if you're a male. That, that's sort of the standard. Right. And then when I was in Israel, I got the vaccine anyway, only because my manager at the time, who does a lot of the Jewish, that just kept screaming at me. I heard that I saw, and if you had it and recovered, they would only give you one shot anyway. Right. So, that, you know, in, there, in Israel, they were giving it out like candy. So I was just like, all right, I might as well get it. So I just got up one day and was like, all right, I'll just go get it. <laughs> um, and that was it. And so, so how did you, first of all, when you were at Barron, did you do any acting in the plays here? Um, they didn't really have plays when oh. I was there. That, you know, that's, we sort of goof around. They had drama, but not really. It was like one year, and then they didn't have it. Um, but this is going so far back. This we sort of, um, this, I think when I did all the teachers, it was like a, a Purim type of thing. Uh huh. You know, you get out and goof around a little bit, and I imitated all the teachers, and it, it was it was a good taste. So I wasn't nasty about it or anything like that. And did you? So you first went into comedy, and then which one came next? Writing, acting. Uh, I originally moved to LA to act, but I knew stand-up was something I was always going to do, and I started that immediately. Okay. And through stand-up, I was able to get my agent. And then you sort of, every comic sort of does both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, this was back, you know, this when, during the sitcom days when they were making more of those. They don't really do so many anymore. And, um, you know, so, this, and then it's, uh, I gravitated more towards the writing later. Um, this, I just became interested more in writing films and uh, it's gravitated towards that. And, there, and when you write for films, that's really just things you're interested in and that grab your attention and... Is that sort of yeah? It's something sort of grabs my. It's, I, I like history, like I said before. Like history and religion are my two things. So if I can find something that has to do with both, uh, that's what I generally enjoy writing about. Beautiful. And any advice for anybody who would like to follow a similar career path? Um. Yeah. It's. It, I would just say that, that you know, um, if you're really into it, be persistent. Especially with stand up, just get on stage wherever, whenever you can. And as far as other things, you know, uh, show some patience with it. It's not going to happen overnight. And if it, you know, you'll hear these stories of, oh, this guy got on a TV show, his second or third audition, whatever. And I was like, this, but this, you know, then what? You know, all sitcoms are going to end. Friends is going to end. Seinfeld is going to end. You know, so you want to just always be looking for that next thing. How, I think that it's, that's that's always the, the kind of mind frame you have to be in. And how long did it take you? on your laurels. Huh? How long did it take you from the time you started, from the time you landed in L.A. until you uh, got the agent? Um, I had that within a year. Amazing. And the funny thing is that, this, you know, the third audition I think I ever went on was like a top, it was a show called Dave's World. It was like a top 20 show, and it was a fairly sizable part. It, you know, and you think, you know, I'm in my early 20s. Oh, this is going to be no problem. Right. I'll, you know. 
if it was a big part and you're on TV and uh, this, and you realize this, oh no, that's not how this business works. You know, mm. you can, you're gonna have successes, you're gonna have plenty of failures. Then, you know, so it's, it's, you know, there's no, you know, time where, oh, it's too late now. That, that sort of doesn't exist in show business. You have plenty of people that make it much later in life. It just depends, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it's what they say, it's, you know, there's a lot of luck involved. Mm-hmm. They wanna be ready when the luck hits. So that, that's, that's the key. You have plenty of people that are not ready when the luck hits. Luck hits. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, so that you just want to be prepared and ready to go when when those opportunities arise. And even if they arise and you don't get it, there'll be other ones. Um, so don't, don't sweat it so much. Love it. And, again, I, I know we had been, we've been talking for a while, and we actually were planning to set up something the week you were in the terrible car accident. So I really appreciate yeah, no, no. it. Yeah, it's fine. Appreciate you well, making the time. Yeah, look, th- thank God I got out of it. That you know. Thank God. Very, very fortunate. I'm able to walk. I can move. You know, it was funny. I remember um, talking to my. Uh, I, I remember I, I was talking to um, this, my cousin, this, and she's a doctor of physical therapy, this, and I'd, um, you know, I said I was talking to someone else. Someone asked me about the timeline. I said, yeah, I was in the hospital for nine days, and I was like, that's enough. And she starts laughing. She's like, yeah, I mean, you're aware that nine days after brain surgery is nothing. It's like, you went there for months after that you went through. You know, so I feel very fortunate when you, you know, obviously it's not a contest, but, right. um, it's, you know, it's a difficult thing to go through. I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but it's obviously, it's, you know, it's a unique experience. It's surreal. At the same time, it's, it's, you know, relatively speaking, I got off very, very fortunate. There's a lot of the word miracles used by the some of the neurosurgeons. And, wow. Uh, some of the, the physical therapists came in and said, I haven't seen this in, you know, 20 years of doing this, where I was able to get up and I didn't have any dizziness, thank God, or, the, you know, maneuverability issues or things like that. that, that um, it's still frustrating. It's tough. You have the tightness in your head and, you know, the facial paralysis stuff is hard, um, you know, so it's, and you're not yourself. But, um, it's, you know, thank God, you know, I was able to come out, you know, very, very fortunate comparatively. Yeah, it does so, sound like a miracle in a lot of ways. It really does. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for making the time. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Have a great night. Yeah, you, you too. Thanks.